Welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show with Landon Witt. You're about to learn hyper-local market knowledge happening right now in the Oklahoma City real estate market. This is your fresh weekly report on housing conditions in Oklahoma City that will enable you to make smarter investment decisions and gain insight on local trends. Landon is a genuine, self-made top realtor in Oklahoma City with millions of dollars in real estate closed every year and hundreds of satisfied clients. He's top rated by sites like Zillow, Trulia, Realtor.com, and Homes.com. Whether you live right here in the city or across the country, welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. Welcome to episode 51 of the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. On today's show, meteorologist John Slater comes to chat with us a little bit about what storm chasing is really about in Oklahoma and just sharing his passionate and really just geeking out over weather. So if you're a weather nerd, this episode is for you. Without further ado, let's get chatting with John, the meteorologist at News Channel 4. All right, Aaron, thanks for that report. Let's go back to radar right now. We're zoomed in close. Again, here's the north side of Oklahoma City. There's Edmond, Piedmont, the village. There's Guthrie. There's Crescent, Langston. These storms moving east. Dangerous situation for western, southwestern Oklahoma. We've got a significant tornado on the ground right now, Mike, here in the eastern Texas panhandle at this time. Hey, Mike, we're on Highway 6, only about four miles or so due south of Elk City. We're on the southern side of this very strong mesocyclone. The circulation is going just to our north right now. Can't stress enough for folks in Elk City. And then our attention turns to this big storm off the west coast. Look at this satellite presentation here. Huge storm. All right, so talk to me a little bit about your adrenaline level when a tornado's on the ground. Oh, boy. Well, uh... That goes up, yeah. A lot of storm chasing in my career. In fact, I started doing storm chasing when I was back in college in the 1980s. Officially or, or just as a hobby? Uh, pretty much as a hobby. I was a, I was a student at the University of Oklahoma getting my meteorology degree. And uh, we would go storm chasing during the springtime. Uh, the professors there, the grad students and some of the undergrads, we'd look at all the weather data. We'd pick a zone where we thought there's going to be severe weather and tornadoes, and we'd go out there. This was back in the early 80s, long before the movie Twister. Mm. And we'd go out tracking storms and tornadoes. And, uh, yeah, it gets your adrenaline up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of fun. It's dangerous, but it's a lot of fun, too. How many tornadoes do you think you've experienced in your life, if you could think back? Um, you know... Not as many as you might think. <laughs> you know, like I said, I started storm tracking in the 80s, but back then we didn't have the technology that they have now. I mean, it was really primitive storm chasing. We would look at a little bit of data back in the weather center, and then we'd go out and drive to an area where we thought storms were going to happen. But once we got in our car and started driving to our target area, we didn't have any more data after that, right? Mm. This is before cell phones. None of that stuff existed. No internet. So it was tough to get in the right spot and see those storms that produce tornadoes because you really, you have to know exactly what's going on. You have to be at the right spot at the right time, and you have to be a little lucky. So, you know, when I started, we just didn't have all the technology, and that slowly started to improve. So through the 90s and the 2000s, you know, I've probably seen maybe, not, not that many, maybe 15 tornadoes up close and personal in my lifetime. Um, but I didn't go out there to see tornadoes. I went out there to see the atmosphere evolve. Like we make a forecast where we thought thunderstorms would form, so we drive out there 
a few hours before we thought they'd develop, and it's sunny. And to see the whole thing evolve, you know, the first clouds develop, and it's developing sort of in your area you thought it would be, and then the clouds develop into thunderstorms, and then you follow the thunderstorms, and you get some severe weather. Most times you don't see a tornado, okay? Um, if you got the actual tornado, that was sort of the icing on the cake, and we had a lot of cake without icing, so we didn't see the tornadoes all the time. But later, as more technology evolved um, and better ways to see the tornado, better technology as far as storm tracking with the vehicles and night vision cameras and all these things. So I probably saw about 15 or so. But I'm not a, I'm not a full-time storm tracker. You know, there are people out there who have seen a lot more tornadoes than me because they're doing it, you know, full-time. I actually had a real job as a meteorologist, you know, and I, I couldn't always be storm tracking. So, hmm. so. You know, for those that, that think that storm tracking is, is like this adrenaline all the time, when you were a child out there watching the weather develop, what are you doing? You're, you're sitting in a field, and you're literally yeah. staring at the sky, yeah. Yeah. and you're getting excited about the yep. changes in clouds. That's right. Um, you know, first of all, I'm a weather fanatic, right? I mean, I... This is hardcore. I mean... Yeah, I, I grew up. I grew up in the Northeast near... Just near, always looking up. Well, yeah, looking outside, looking at the clouds. You know, um, when I was a kid, uh, I would just stare out the window and watch the clouds. And I always... I asked questions to myself at a very young age, like, uh, why are clouds moving? Um, how come rain changes to snow? Why does the wind blow? You know, little simple questions like that by looking at the sky... And that got my brain thinking, and I was just, I was a weather fanatic. So much, my mom and dad thought I was crazy. I mean, they literally thought I was crazy because I talked about weather all the time. <laughs> and when the TV weather people came on and forecasted a big blizzard or a snowstorm and it didn't happen, I got so mad, I'd run upstairs into my bedroom and I'd lock the door and I'd tear apart my bedroom. <laughs> That's how crazy I was about the weather. So uh, my mom and dad were like, John's got some issues, but... But he's got a lot of passion. So what can we do? You know. So I ended up being a meteorologist. You know, I took that passion, that that craziness about the weather that I had as a child, and I just I've been riding that passion like a cowboy rides a horse <laughs> my mm. entire my entire life. I wonder what the what do you think the reason is for the weather? I mean, why why are we fascinated with the weather? Is it is it that <laughs> a is lot it of that people you, are? Is it that you can't control it? Is it like this? I don't know. For some people, it might be. That's not why I was fascinated by it. But um, some people try to control the weather. But thankfully, we haven't reached that point yet. I don't. I don't think I'd ever want to. I don't know if I want to live in a world where the weather was controlled. <laughs> Hopefully not. But yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't know why everyone goes out there it's a lot of different reasons that people storm track and get interested in the weather some people you know it's kind of like you're driving down the highway and there's an accident and you just want to be where the action is you know some people are thrill seekers they just want to see that tornado and get as close as they possibly can you know because they like the adrenaline that's not me i'm not about that it's science for me like i said it, we, we go out we make a prediction and to see that come true thunderstorms forming them watching everything that you learn in the classroom watching it all happen and take place that's what gets me excited tornado you know we track tornadoes for television because that's what our job is to keep people safe. So we want to know where those storms are, where the threat for tornadoes is, 
see them and track them and get people out of harm's way. That's what we do. But that's not really where my passion lies. My passion lies in the weather, just watching it happen, forecasting it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just a big weather fan. And you're going to do that for forever, no matter oh, absolutely. what your job is. Oh, absolutely. So <clears throat> this is an article that I'm going to read for the, for the listeners that's in Men's Health. And it says, nothing draws a crowd around the water cooler like an impending storm. With more than one person vying for the title of office meteorologist, which <laughs> might have you asking, why the heck does weather, especially the nasty stuff, consume us? The answer is it's wired into us as a biological reflex called anticipatory anxiety. Uh Uh-oh. Physically, your heart rate, blood pressure, and adrenaline levels increase in response to the potential danger to our lives, says Joshua Klopow, Ph.D. professor of the public health and University of Alabama in Birmingham. He says it's especially true for guys. Now... A lot of what is sold on television, you talk about tornadoes, is is stingers. You know, like we, we've got we've got something happening and it's intense, and then people want to see it because it's intense. And so it could be potentially the tornadoes and the threat of tornadoes is an exciting thing to watch on TV. Maybe not so much the formulation of cumulus clouds. Well, um, it's the whole thing, Landon. It's a show. I mean, think about it. Um, the way we, we cover severe weather now, um, with all our technology, we have the helicopters, the storm trackers, uh, the cool-looking radars, you know, three or four different radars, and all the, the, all the software on the radars, the storm tracking, show you where the circulation is, and 3D stuff. And, and so the viewers at home, you know, that's more exciting to watch than what's on television, right? It, it's a reality show, right? Mm-hmm. There's a tornado watch. There's possible tornadoes. Tornadoes start developing. You turn on your TV set, and you just you just sit back in your chair, and you watch the weather people freak out from all these severe storms, and we're tracking them across state. And it's all ad-lib. It's not taped. It's it's all live ad-lib. And it's it's fun to watch, I think, for the viewers, you know, and believe it or not, when we look at TV ratings, the ratings go up. Even then, even that we we preempt the shows that supposedly everyone wants to watch, you know, because we have breaking weather, so we go on for hours and we get rid of those shows. The ratings double or triple what we would be if we were running the, that the popular show. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So part of it is, obviously, people have to stay connected to the weather in Oklahoma. So they want to tune in. They want to find out where that, those storms are going, right? But part of it is it's just really neat to watch. I think I think it's fun for people to watch. It's like a reality TV show, right, mm. on storm tracking. Well, I think it's a unifier, too, of people. When you've got... Ah... Uh... My phone likes to hack in. But you've got, you've got like, you know, when there's, especially when there's a tornado threat, and they say, in this area, most likely, we could have, you know, you need to go to your shelter. Go to your shelter. That person is calling their friends or family members that are in that area. Are you watching the news? Sure, sure. You know, are you aware, you know, well, where you are have you guys to. at? You have to around here. You have to stay connected to the weather. Um because you could die if you don't, right? I mean, it's unlikely, and it's rare, and it's a needle in the haystack, haystack theory. But if you just totally do not pay t- attention to the weather in Oklahoma in the springtime, you could get in a really bad place. So yeah. Now, now, but wait a minute. Before we go too far, 
Every Saturday, uh-huh. we have a test of the alert system uh-huh. at noon. Locals know that. Folks that are not from here, if you're moving here, every at 12 o'clock on Saturday, we've got the horns, and they, they go through. I don't know if they do them all at the same time or if it kind of sweeps across the city. On the, the testing city. at noon on Saturday, they, yeah. they test. So yeah. they test the alarms, and they sound similar to an air raid siren from World War II. Right. You'd, right. you'd say. So some people say, I don't need to stay connected because if the horns go off, then I'll do something about it. Right. Is that correct is that a correct way to think about this well you know i like to tell people is you need more than one way to get information um and that's just one way and that's a way that started a long long time ago um and those tornado sirens are are not made for people who are inside those were originally developed for people who are outside if you're at a park or whatever and you hear the tornado siren so you know what's going on because we didn't have you know back then we didn't have cell phones and all that stuff right so if you're out at a park or whatever with your family you don't have a phone you you know think about 1945 or whatever um is that how old that? I, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Okay. Don't quote me on that. It's pretty old. They're old. They've been around really? since, I'm, yeah, a long time. A long time. Um, really, the first warning mechanisms that we had, really. Um, but they were not made for people inside. Hmm. But nowadays, there are still a lot of people that depend on those sirens and they live in, you know, when they're inside. And not everyone can hear them. You know, I think it, but you got to realize the people around here who have been through these big storms and tornadoes, it, it is a threat to them. It, I mean, it's definitely a threat. A tornado, tornadoes is a legitimate threat here. But uh, the good news is, and we talk to schools and folks and we go out, and we preach this all the time, is that, you know, if you just stay connected to the weather with all the ways we have to stay connected to the weather that we have nowadays um, and have a safety plan, right, have a safety mm-hmm. plan, and prepare for the worst and hope for the best, um, you're going to be pretty safe. Because we, we do have some big storms here. We, we live in Tornado Alley, okay? More tornadoes touch down in this part of the United States than any other place in the world. So I don't want to scare anyone because tornado is still a rare event. Looking at the big scheme of things, a tornado, if you were to get hit by a tornado, you'd be very unlucky, okay? But... We get tornadoes here. That's why it's called Tornado Alley. The ingredients that make these storms that produce tornadoes comes together more often right here in central Oklahoma. What are the ingredients? Well, it's all about geography. It's a geography question. Mm. People ask me that all the time. I mean, the Midwest is is relatively flat. Well, it has to do with a lot. Um, It has to do with the fact our close proximity to the Gulf of Mexico and where it is down to our south-southeast. Okay? Mm -hmm. It's not that far away. Okay. That's ingredient number one. I can get in a car, okay, Mm -hmm. from my driveway in Oklahoma City to the beach. Not, I mean, right to the beach where I'm putting down my blanket in 10 hours. Okay? Mm -hmm. In Galveston, Mm -hmm. Texas. So it's not that far away. Mm -hmm. Okay? We have the mountains. The mountains out west, the Rockies. Ten hours. I think it's shorter than ten hours. <laughs> well, I don't know how fast you drive, Landon. You're a slow driver. I probably am, you know? I probably am a slow I driver. I thought it was like more like seven. Well, I, I I used to go to Galveston Island for vacation every summer, and I can tell you it was about ten hours. With potty breaks, I guess. Yeah, 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 with a potty break, of course. Okay, so Galveston, from here to Galveston, let's just say from the OKC Real <laughs> Estate Show to studios, um... 
That'll work expressway. That works. Landon's checking me out here. I like this. Seven hours and twenty-one minutes. That's a big difference, bro. Yeah, but I guess you don't you don't have three kids and you're not stopping at the. Uh, so it's five hundred miles. The Cracker Barrel in Dallas. Okay. Okay? I gotcha. Okay, so you add in the Cracker Barrel in Dallas and probably yeah. peaches in Fredericksburg or something like that. Yeah. Okay, so five hundred miles though for for geographical purpose. Right. Right. Okay. So we have south winds a lot, and so if you got warm warm more tropical like air down here. So a south breeze, a south breeze, right? It's not mm-hmm. gonna overnight, overnight that moisture can get into Oklahoma. Okay, with a south wind of twenty miles an hour. You can do the math there, right? Right, right. Okay. We have the Rockies out west. It's people are saying, how does the Rockies, what does that have to do with Oklahoma weather? Well it has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Two things. Number one when air flies over the mountains, we have the jet stream that comes in from west to east, where, where planes fly. It's the upper-level jet stream. We talk about it a lot in the weather cast. We'll say, let's take a look at the jet stream. Mm-hmm. It's the core mm-hmm. of the strongest winds aloft mm-hmm. that go from west to east. Mm-hmm. But when air flows over a this mountain... Is peak, because this is coming across the Pacific. Right, right. So it gets vel- uh, velocity, or not velocity, but just it's linear flow. It's all going together. Yeah, it's, it's a west to east flow, okay? So but what across happens, the North Pacific... Right, right. But the thing is, is if you zoom back into the mountains, the point I'm trying to make is what the significance... We're of, looking on Google Map right now for the, the significance on a train. The significance of the mountains is that when air flows over a peak like that, it's like how a, flame, a plane flies. The, the wind flows across the Rockies, okay? It creates a low pressure on the leeward side, okay, of the mountains. It's a... Okay. It creates a low, a, va- a void, a in vacuum. In a valley. A va- so the air sucks in to that valley from all directions. So that's why we have a south wind. So you have this strong jet stream that comes across the Rockies. It creates a low-pressure system, like in eastern Colorado, just because of the, the physical characteristics of having a mountain chain and a strong jet stream west-to-east flow. You get a low there underneath it. Huh. Okay? And then air flows into that low-pressure system. So we have a south wind. Okay, that's how we get a south wind in Oklahoma all the time, because of that jet stream there. Mm. Then, we have cold Arctic air that builds up in Canada and the Arctic, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, cold air is very heavy and dense compared to warm air, right? Warm air is lighter and rises, okay? Mm. Cold air is like molasses. It sinks down to the ground. So, you have this cold air coming out of Canada, and it's coming actually towards the west coast, but it can't get to the west coast because the mountains block it. Because the mountains are tall and the cold air is, is sinking into the right on the ground, like molasses. Even though the top of the mountain is full of ice. Right, that's because it's cold up there aloft. That has nothing to do with the cold air that's coming in from Canada. I the see. cold air is just a big, you, you see it on the weather maps, this big chunk of cold air comes down in the wintertime behind right, a cold front. Right. Well, it, it's funneled into Oklahoma because it can't go to L.A. The reason why L.A. has nice weather... And it's a desert over here. That's right, because... Nevada. Because the cold air can't come across the mountains, and the air sinks down the mountains, and it, when the air sinks, it dries out. That's why it's a desert here. Interesting. And anyway, so the cold air is, is just funneled. We call it... It's a damming effect. It's dammed up. So it comes right down into Oklahoma. So you have the cold air coming in, you have the Gulf moisture coming in from the south. And that all meets in Tornado Alley. Those Mm -hmm. are the ingredients that come into play here in Oklahoma. 
Interesting. Yep. And it's all about geography. If we didn't have the mountains, it wouldn't happen. If the, if we had no Gulf of Mexico there, then we, we'd have a south wind, but it'd be just It wouldn't be dry. full of moisture. Exactly. Hmm. So it's the setup. So how high are these high-velocity winds? That in the jet stream? Yeah. Depends. You know, jet stream is strongest, like uh, spring and winter can be 200 miles an hour, 250 miles an hour. Way up there. Wait, wait a sec. Don't the jets, like airlines, fly in mm-hmm. the... Uh, yeah. Would they... Really? So they're, like, battling 200-mile-an-hour uh-huh. headwinds? Absolutely. Sometimes. That's the extreme jet. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's why if you're flying from L.A. to New York, it takes you, like, an hour quicker. <laughs> you know, the weather here... We, we live in... A, because of those things I told you about, the mm-hmm. geography, mm-hmm. we live in a very extreme weather climate. So not only do we get tornadoes. Wait, there's that word again. I know. Extreme. Oh, uh, uh, warning, warning, warning. No, no. This extreme weather. weather. No, th- this is different. Happening. This is, this is not related to what you're talking about. We, we live in an extreme weather climate here in Oklahoma and the plains, basically. You know, um, and it's because of the geography I just talked about. I mean, it, when it's hot, it's really hot. When it's cold, it gets really cold. It gets really windy. We don't get a lot of snow, but boy, if we get it set up right, it's, we can get a lot of snow here. Um, we get bad ice storms. You know, we get a lot of the high-end weather here in Oklahoma. That's why everyone comes here to study the weather. Hmm. All these meteorologists, or before you're a meteorologist, you come here to study the weather. I grew up in New York. I came here in 1982 to go to the University of Oklahoma, but that's not what brought me here. What brought me here was that this is where the weather happens. As a little kid, I'd go to the library and I'd read about the geography set up and why everything happens here and we're in Tornado Alley and why. And so you want to go where it's happening to learn about it. You know, if I'm into surfing, I'm going to go to the Outer the Banks of North Carolina, right? Sure. Where the Barrier Islands are and the, you know, the, the Bermuda Triangle or something or whatever, right? Um, but so meteorologists come here from all over the world to study the weather. That's why the National Weather Center is so big down in Norman. That was mm. built from people just being interested in the weather. So we live in this extreme climate. So back to your question, there aren't many times where I go, boy, I never thought it was going to get this bad because this, it, it, it always gets bad. It's usually we miss it or it's a big storm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of our forecasts are like, okay, we're going to get, you know, 8 to 12 inches of snow, and then you wake up in the morning there's nothing. Or there's 24 inches of snow, right? <laughs> right, true, true. <laughs> because it's, it's all or like nothing. when you don't say there's going to be snow that you, you worry about that. <laughs> yeah. But then when you go out and buy the water or the extra fuel for the generator. This is also another way to look at it. This is a, this is a region of development here. Hmm. In other words, everything forms here and then moves east, right? So it's harder to forecast because a lot of the stuff's not on radar, you know, like, a lot of times, we're, we're about to have severe weather. Let's say you, you turn on the 5 o'clock news, and this is what you're going to hear. Hey, good evening, everyone. We are expecting severe weather later today. Let's take a look at the satellite right now. There's nothing on satellite. Let's take a look at radar. There's nothing on radar. Well, we think in the next couple hours, it's just going to explode, right? Right? So it's, it, it's, it's a re- region of development. So that makes it difficult to forecast. If I live in Ohio... The same guy doing the weather cast at 5 o'clock in Ohio is going to say, hey, everybody, we, we're going to have severe weather tomorrow. Let's take a look at the satellite. Look what's going on in Oklahoma right now that's coming here tomorrow. It's a lot easier when something's happening and to track it than mm. 
than to, to go out and go, there's nothing on radar right now, but we think it's going to happen. Do you, does that make any sense? I don't know if it does or not. Well, it definitely makes me feel excited <laughs> that at least somebody's confident to forecast the weather, right? Yes, yes. You know? I mean, at least we're going for it. Well, for those that want to follow you and maybe even communicate with you, um, how can they do that? To me? Mm-hmm. Well, they can follow me on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. And believe it or not, I am now on Instagram. Wow. <laughs> hey. It's true. Hey. It's true. All right. Yeah. I got little kids. I'm basically checking up on my teenagers <laughs> on cool. Instagram. Cool. So, yeah, you can, you can get a hold of me right there. Slaterweather.com, is that where you want to direct um, people, or well, that's more of a marketing? I've, I've, got a, I've got a website, slaterweather.com, but really that that's not, eh. You know, I don't really do much on that anymore. Hmm. But uh, basically, um, you know, you can catch me on my Facebook page. I, I put out forecasts for Oklahoma hmm. on my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Uh, so friend and me on Facebook. John Slater, just, just Facebook searching for I John Slater. I have no idea what it is. I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've said this a hundred times we'll already. We'll post the Facebook link on that. I, 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 don't, I don't know all this stuff. And Twitter. Well, John, it's been great having you on the show today. Do you want to say anything to the listeners before you sign off? Well, I've had a great time. Thanks for having me here, Landon. I really appreciate being part of your podcast. Um, I hope I didn't scare anyone away from Oklahoma. Uh, we do have a lot of extreme weather in Oklahoma. But, uh, hey, you know, it's a great place, and you just stay connected to the weather. That's all you can do. That's what I tell people. Stay connected to the weather and have a plan. Have a plan when that tornado warning is issued. If you don't have a plan and you're in the middle of a tornado warning, and you're trying to think of what to do to take mm-hmm. cover, you're in trouble because you only have seconds, seconds, mm-hmm. okay? So have a plan and take those safety precautions seriously and stay connected more than one way to stay connected to the weather. Okay, you got all that social media, you got television, and that's all you can do. And hope for the best. You know, prepare for the worst, hope for the best. It's what I do. Thanks for listening to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show.